Welcome to the fifth season of The Coaching Cast, your working from home club. We're here to remind you that you're not alone, that we're in this together, all striving to make sense of today's working world. Regardless of where you're working right now or whatever you do as a career, we've got something for you here at The Coaching Cast. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo which suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie, coach and trainer at Future You Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a two-year-old who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. In this podcast, we explore all things impacting you, our CBBs, aka our corporate bullshit bashers, everything that's impacting you at work right now, presenting different topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips for you to take away and try for yourself, as well as having a few laughs, hopefully. We hope you enjoy listening. Today's episode is our season finale and it's all about managing perfectionism. We explore this subject alongside discussing our top tips. So stay with us and enjoy. So Lisa, before we get into this week's or season finale episode, cannot believe it, it's come around so quick. How are you? Yeah, I mean, hotter than balls probably like the rest of the UK it is boiling um it's one of those things isn't it where you're like don't talk about the weather don't talk about the weather you're talking about the weather weather. it's just like I do think as British people we're obsessed with what the weather is doing oh absolutely I mean it's raining too much it's too cloudy it's too cold it's boiling we haven't seen the sun for days now it's too sunny I do think it's it's the extremes that we have to deal with. And because our weather is so inconsistent, it's a constant topic of conversation. It's not like, you know, having been in an African country, believe me, they don't bother talking about it because <laughs> it is the same generally all the time. Yeah. It's, it's just hot. It's hot and dry. And Cape Town, the weather's a bit more variable in all honesty, but even Cape Townians don't tend to bang on about it. So I think it's just when you have the privilege of consistent weather and weather where you can actually enjoy yourself in it, you don't really talk about it because it's not actually that interesting. I mean, I wouldn't say it's that interesting if you live in the UK, but bloody hell are we obsessed with it. But I swear we deal with weather and in terms of the repercussions of weather in a way that no other country does. Like, why is it that in our country, when it gets too hot, like anything above 30 degrees, apparently, our runways melt and our train tracks like catch on fire. Yeah. Like, why is that? Because I'm pretty certain there are countries, Africa included, all over the world that are dealing with quite high temperatures daily and they don't have those kind of things happening. It's the same though when it snows in our country. Oh, yeah. Just extreme weather. We're not, we're not built for it literally physically literally and metaphorically but I mean don't get me wrong I know we're dealing with extreme weather more at the moment because of the result of climate change like I'm not naive about that but we are a country that has 
experienced on a consistent basis, really, snow. That's the one I'm always like, why is everyone shocked when it snows? To the point where we just go into shutdown. And so we literally yeah. like, oh, I can't cope with it. I'm like, really? I just, yeah, it's so weird. And especially then when you go to countries that are literally under snow all the time. But then think about New York. New York gets extreme weather. They all get like huge snow drifts. Yeah. And then they can get really boiling summers. They don't as a city shut down. Oh, I love New York in the snow. I've I've never been been in the snow, actually. I've I've been been fortunate to go like November, December time when there's been some snow. And it is magical. It is stunning. It's I mean, one of my favorite places. Yeah, New York's one of my favorite places in the world as well. I've been there when it's sunny, humid, cold, wet, not snow though. I've not had snow in New York. Well, together combined, we've been there in all seasons. That is true. That is very true. But yeah, so so, um, yeah, God knows. But the hilarity of the newspaper coverage, (laughs) I mean, I just can't cope with it really. I mean, it's it's hilarious, but it's also slightly farcical. But again, this comes down to the fact that I don't know when as a nation we became so obsessed. Well, not just that, but when we became a a community that just can't cope with life. (laughs) Like we've we've won world wars and done some pretty incredible things and been very resilient in our time. But we've turned into a bunch of flakes, I think. I've just looked at the Daily Mail. I mean, I know this is not the most like... Uh, like this is very sensationalized publication Dave I get that but do you, shall I read you what the um, headline oh, is? Oh go on then it'll probably annoy me. Britain is the hottest place in Europe. Temperatures hit 36 degrees by 11am after UK's hottest night ever in capital letters and are set to peak at 43 today making it the hottest day in British history as hundreds of schools close and the country grinds to a halt. Oh for goodness sake. <laughs> I I don't understand it. What do you mean? Why do schools have to close? Do you know what? My friends have been talking about this who have children in our WhatsApp group chat. I'm sure everyone can relate. (laughs) Everyone has a friendship WhatsApp group chat. And literally some of their stories, I was crying. So one of my friend's children, their school notified the parents to let them know that if it got too hot, they were going to wet their children's caps before placing them on their heads. My friend was literally like, Good to know. Really couldn't care less. If that's what you want to do, go go for it. Why do I need to have forward notification of said action when it's a very practical, important thing to do? Another said from a different school, just to let you know, if it gets too hot for the children, we will be applying sun cream. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like, why is that needed? Like, that is exactly the expectation. You don't have to give forward notification. What do you want? Like some sort of medal. I don't understand whether it's like a school's interest. A round of applause. Yeah. But I mean, again, I do think this is where I'm just like, oh my God, we have lost the plot. Why is that requiring parents time to get, because obviously when you get an email or notification from your school, I'm sure as a lot of parents do, there's an anxiety of like, oh God, now what? Oh God, what's happened? Oh God, please don't tell me you're going to close the school because I'm working. You know, you must have a lot of things go through your mind. I know my mates do. They tell me, they're like, oh my God, the school's emailed me again and I'm now having the sweats about why. And when they open it, they're like, are you shitting me? This is what I've wasted my time and anxiety over. You just wanted to let me know you're going to apply some sun cream. (laughs) I just, I don't get it. But then it's the same for the news articles. Like, you know, the, even the BBC, who I respect most of the time, have gone down this line. Like, why do I need to get notified that, you know, there's a couple on a beach sitting under a sun umbrella 
with the caption of this couple was so hot they sought shade it's like no shit of course they did because that is yeah. the sensible thing to do you I know. do feel like we've we have since covid like that it's all because we've come a bit more catastrophized Everything's like, catastrophized and apparently like, we've all lost our brains because we're spoken to like we're idiots. Yeah, it is interesting. It's like irritating. I just kind of like, oh, just everyone just use your common sense. So common to put sense. this in comparison, I one, I don't understand how the Daily Mail can claim that we're the hottest country in Europe. Have they looked at Spain? Spain is experiencing over 40 degree heat and wildfires everywhere. So actually... Surely they're one of the hottest countries in in Europe, not us. Maybe I'll message them and ask them for their yeah, tell them that, on this headline. Yeah, I feel like it's factually inaccurate. Yeah. But I mean, I was in Madrid last week. Judith continued her travels. Strikes again. Yeah. Judith strikes again. Have you got, got yourself um, a new hat for this vacation? Did oh, you I, I didn't get a new hat, but I did wear a hat. Oh. I did wear a hat. Okay. I look like my dad, actually. My dad and I look very similar in hats, I've decided. Oh. Um it's, it's not a compliment on me either. Sorry, Dad. Um, I was in Madrid last week. It was 40 degrees every day. That is warm. I didn't hear, see a single thing about it the whole time I was there. <laughs> and I definitely, even people I spoke to who were in Madrid were just like, yeah, it's just hot. And I was just like, but this is unusually hot even for you guys, isn't it? And they were like, yeah, like it's not normally this hot. Oh, oh, is that oh, all right, Susie? That's an, that's an alarm. That is my blood sugar alarm. It is a blood it, sugar alarm. It is an right? alarm to say that we're talking about the weather. <laughs> Stop, everybody. The temperature has reached a certain level. It hasn't really. I'm, I am purely making that up. Um, that Notification. Is, a, <laughs> Notification. is that a, you need to eat some sort of gummy sweet? <laughs> yeah, but we're all good. Don't, okay, fine. don't worry. Susie's okay, everyone. She's not going to keel over. <laughs> Stephen Bartlett, entrepreneur, investor and dragon, recently said on social media, this is your sign to just start that thing that you've been putting off. The key to progress is having the courage to start before you're ready and trusting yourself to figure it out along the way. Perfectionism slows progress. So if that is the case, why are we so obsessed with the idea of everything needed to be perfect in our lives and also in our work. So Lisa, what is your relationship with perfectionism? This is such a brilliant topic. It's so big and vast, isn't it? And I feel like there's so much I could say about it because I do have a relationship with perfectionism and one that I can strongly relate to in terms of Stephen's quote, but so much so in terms of I think like my whole life like my first experience of what I classify as my like negative relationship with perfectionism is when I it goes right back to school so it's it's when I used to study art so I studied art I mean as we all did through GCSE and A level but I well not necessarily GCSE and A level that's what I chose to do I took it into GCSE and A levels and I remember so vividly absolutely destroying artwork. Like, I mean, physically, like getting so frustrated with how a piece was progressing that I would just tear it up, throw a proper like 
wow. te- teenage angst, emotional like tantrum about it, tear it up, and then be like absolutely devastated that I had essentially taken something to the point of ruin and then binned it and wasted all of that effort. And I know my parents, if they were listening to this, which we know they don't because my dad likes everything I do, but can't watch or listen to me because he finds it too cringeworthy, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) But it's true. Um, I know that he will know what I'm talking about. Like they would find that very frustrating when I did things like that. And obviously, you know, just in general, having to deal with quite an emotional teenager, which I was, but I remember talking about this um, a couple of years ago. I created a video on my own YouTube channel, which was about like, when is good enough, good enough? Mm-hmm. And I cited this example then because I just at that age couldn't recognize when to leave something alone because I would obsess over how perfect it had to be. I don't think I'm necessarily that way as an adult at all. Like, I do think this idea of Stephen Bartlett's of like, just take action of any kind regardless of whether it's you know completely ready like just go for it you know all progress is progress I think that is so true and I think I do tend to operate more in that mindset I would rather just take an action make some progress because actually it makes me feel really good it makes me feel better but I do get into the space where once I've started something I can then overthink it and overanalyze it and I do think it's a trigger for my negative self-talk um and that's something I do really recognize it's interesting because I actually posted something yesterday on my LinkedIn page about how like give yourself the permission to not be great at everything like it's impossible and someone within my network Michael he commented saying uh, and using the term imperfect action. And I think that's a phrase that you've used before as well, Suze. And I really like it. It's a really good one, which is like, be comfortable with action of any kind, regardless of how perfect it is. Um, and it's definitely something that resonated with my my network yesterday. There are a lot of people going, yes, absolutely, imperfect action all the way. Like, just go for it and don't wait for it to be polished. It doesn't have to be polished. Um, because, yeah, I think... I think focusing and being too fixated on things being perfect, it's it's not healthy. And I think you can get stuck in this quite self-destructive space. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. So yeah, so I'm no I'm no longer that like torturous emotional teenager who tears things up when she doesn't like it. I'm not like <laughs> that anymore. But I definitely do recognize it as a as a negative trigger for me. It's definitely feeds myself talk about what I perceive to be good enough and how I really like apply that to myself and how that then can become quite uncontrolled. It becomes, it manifests into these like big, ugly things, I think. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. I think for me, like perfectionism, well, certainly my own personal experience of perfectionism, which I'll talk about in a second, but also the way I've seen it manifest itself in others when I work with clients, especially is in two areas. One, it can stop people from even starting things. So it debilitates them up front. And so Mm. they think, I can't ever write that blog. I can't ever publish that website. I can't launch this new product or service because it's not perfect. And Mm. so it it blocks them from moving forward in whatever progress you you talk about there. 
And then secondly, it can also come through in this like endless cycle of tweaking. Yes. Yeah. And for me, that's the camp that my perfectionism falls into. I get into this endless cycle of tweaking and not knowing when enough is enough like when it's done but it's not perfect and I talk about that quite a lot with my clients actually so if anyone's listening to this they'll be like oh Susie's talked about that (laughs) um and that's for me like my relationship with perfectionism so because I do a lot of training um there's a lot of like upfront prep around that in terms of like visuals and I am like tweaking till the last second of that training starting. And that's not actually healthy. That's not very good for me. I'm rub- I'm awful at just kind of being like, that's fine. That's good enough, done and like step away. And I think that's got worse since I've left my corporate career and started working for myself. Mm. And that's being fueled by that um, desire to be good enough, that desire to be confident, that desire to be like, wow, this person's got something here that I can learn from and that's not good because I'm actually just doing it to kind of fulfill myself really but um I think that's my relationship with perfectionism is that it doesn't stop me starting stuff I absolutely can do that but actually when I'm in it I'm on this endless cycle of tweaking and that's exhausting as well like I think I've experienced it more as an observer it's interesting how you've described it that you've observed your clients in that space as well I've observed that definitely in the same space with clients and colleagues like peers where I can see that they already have a high workload and they are already under pressure to meet deadlines and what's putting them under even more pressure is this obsession around whether what they've created is good enough to submit and whether it's yeah. good enough to, as you point out, like deliver. And they can literally be tweaking it until the final hour and getting themselves in such a state over it to the point where actually it degrades any preparation for the actual moment itself and takes away. I think in some ways it's it's like taking away from the what is truly important, which is actually the delivery, that whether that's the presentation or the end product or, you know, and I've definitely witnessed that in others, that that obsessive tweakingness. And they, those individuals who I found who are in that space are just so worn out. You know, they're physically tired, they're mentally tired, they're unable to like relax, and I think like enjoy the moment, like enjoy that flow opportunity they can get into, where they can then just be present and just do it. Yeah. Um, and it is quite, it's quite. Um, difficult to witness I think when someone's in that space because you can see them slowly like eroding their their capabilities and their confidence because they're stuck in that cycle um and it it is it is so difficult it is so difficult because ultimately you just you just want it to be the best it can be don't you that's why you're doing it and because you want it to represent you in the best way possible I think when it's public as well. So like, I think we do it with this podcast. Some may say we don't do it enough. <laughs> we haven't perfected our craft enough yeah. on this podcast. But, you know, we we do it with this, don't we? I mean, yeah. like Dave, our editor, is going to be listening to this being like, 
you absolutely do <laughs> because like can you just actually I've been just thinking about this can you just tweak this bit over here actually and just do this bit over here like okay um yeah, it's like there's a strange noise all of a sudden at this particular <laughs> moment is there anything you can do about that and it's like at this moment I sniff could you remove the sniff or dub the sniff and it's like you know I mean I think I've got a lot more comfortable especially with the podcast at going it is what it is it's fine I don't mind that you can hear my emails going off or my phone vibrates on the table or maybe or Susie's blood sugar alarm goes off. Yeah, or Susie's blood sugar alarm goes off or the dog barks or that time that, you know, Arthur's toys started dancing around in that room you're in <laughs> and it was like Toy Story 5 or whatever version. Really. <laughs> but like, like life happens and I yeah, think actually course. some of that adds to the, the like authenticity of it and... I think it contributes to our integrity. I don't think it takes it away. Yeah. And, but that's something I've become more comfortable with and more relaxed with, especially with this podcast as it's gone on, because, you know, we've put a lot of content out there now. And, you know, in some of those episodes where we left stuff in, nothing bad happened. And I think, I think that's the point here is like, actually, you do have to ask yourself, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if I submit this or go ahead or carry on as I am or yeah. wing it even and I don't really like the term wing it because I don't think anyone truly wings anything because I think you're you're taking away from your capability your skill set your experience when you say wing it um but you know what's the worst thing that's going to happen because if you really can't think of anything that bad it's because there isn't anything that's going to be that bad so just go for it and sometimes taking those tiny calculated risks because they are tiny at the end of the day some of these things you you learn so much in those moments don't you about actually what's okay what you're capable of you know and that helps to feed your confidence but that's why I do think it's so important just to do something and you know that sort of level of perfectionism where it debilitates is is the the more troublesome one I think when it's people won't start something you know it's that thing of um like when you don't go for a job application because you're like well I don't tick every box and I'm like if I tick some of them you know, when I put three proposals for my coaching work, I'm like, well, if this round, this sort of generally sounds like what I do, and I I tick the majority of these things, and you know, they're only saying it'd be nice to have if I'd done X. So sod it, I'll just put my application in. Maybe I'll offer them something different that they weren't thinking about when they wrote the job spec, or you know. And at the end of the day, what's the worst thing could happen? I don't get it. Oh well, yeah. I've only got you know, on to the next one. Um, but if you don't go for things, then you, you'll you never know what you're actually truly capable of achieving, won't you? So why do you think we fall into this black hole of striving for perfectionism? Uh, I think it's probably quite complex, isn't it? I mean, there's probably quite a few different mm. things, but I think they're a big part of it. I am going to go back to one of my heroines as you know uh, Brené Brown and I think oh, I was gonna guess I was gonna guess which it's one not Elizabeth this one although it's a relationship to Elizabeth Day because <laughs> it is I think in that relationship of failure um I think that's why we strive for perfectionism because I think it's a fear of failing and being critiqued Mm-mm. and having any sort of negative feedback of any kind yeah which many of us do struggle to deal with because it's you know we do take it so personally even when actually I think it's not and I know we've talked about feedback before and yes, a lot of the feedback we get, it is dependent on how it's delivered in the first place. 
So there's a big responsibility on the deliverer of that. But I think it's also us as well, which is separating and being able to separate the subjective from the objective and recognizing when things aren't actually about who we are as people, they're just about a decision we've made, they're external, you know, or something we've chosen to do. But I think Brené Brown really helped me to better understand my own feelings around perfectionism because she does talk about it because she herself is a self-confessed perfectionist and that is that whole actually perfectionism is being driven by external and the external view and how people perceive you and your audience and what you're trying to encourage people to think about you so actually yeah. it's, it's all about everybody else it's not actually you're not doing it to actually serve yeah. yourself and she then talks about how as an alternative to perfectionism, think about healthy striving and that really helps her. So just recognize that you're trying and that it's a learning experience and that you're, it's a, it's a journey to become better at things and like being forgiving of yourself if you just get it wrong, like it's okay. And trying to get comfortable with that idea, which I know is really challenging. Um, I don't think it's that easy, but I do think, it is that outward view and how we want others to see us. Mm. And none of us want to do badly at anything. I suppose that's the thing. Like none of us, yeah, of set, course. none of us set out going, looking forward to making a mistake, looking forward to ballsing this up, getting it completely wrong. You know, having an audience of people looking at me going, what's she doing? <laughs> like no one wants that. Like I don't, you know, no one wants to be in that space where you feel so uncomfortable and you're so that you're that vulnerable and people are thinking things of you about what you can't do. No one wants that, which is why I think it's scary. But, mm. you know, I think it's trying to get that balance right and going, I want to do this well and I'm going to try my best and then I'm going to see what happens and I'm going to try and be comfortable either way and trying to recognise actually it could go really fucking well. So be really, really happy about yeah. the fact it could go really well rather than focusing on the other. I think it's about advocating that as well. So if you manage people, um, that can be like a team of freelancers or that can be like in an organisation, being conscious about how much you are encouraging people to learn and be comfortable making mistakes and failing don't get me wrong like there are big failures that which you know when that's not what we're saying here like we're encouraging but I'll give you an example so story so when I worked in a corporate organization certain people that I worked with were obsessed with making sure that certain presentations on certain forums went perfectly to the point where we had to like practice word perfect like what we were gonna say and that the deck had to be perfect had to look visually amazing it had to have all this fancy stuff in it you know the narrative had to be spot on the visual linked to that what was the story except it I mean it just continues etc 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 that that whole thing has to be perfect to the point where like you become then so paralyzed around I can't say like a word wrong because then it won't be perfect because I'm being encouraged to be perfect all the time and so then that takes away that um opportunity for people to make mistakes because we all do we are all human we all do make mistakes we all fail we can't be perfect at everything that's not like the beauty of life either you know life is full of all lots of different things um and so by conditioning us in that particular environment as an example mm. I definitely felt like there was focus and reward 
on the behaviors which fed into perfectionism yeah in those instances and I just I think that's so suffocating it is and I think it's taking the focus away from what the purpose of doing what you're doing is you're focused on the wrong thing you're not focused on the information you're delivering trying to get the clarity of message across trying to have like a good engaged session trying to even potentially evoke discussion you're not focused on giving your best you're actually focused on things that don't actually matter like yeah have I selected the right word am I word perfect based on what I I delivered in the practice sessions you know all your energy is is detracted from the whole point of what you're doing yeah. and you become fixated on the things that actually don't matter not really not in the grand scheme of things not to mention the fact that I think as soon as you create such a rigid environment you prevent everyone who's involved from really fulfilling their true potential because yeah. they are being rigidly controlled within a structure and there's no opportunity to have a bit of creative flair or to show your personality or to like, you know, create an enjoying experience for everybody. Absolutely. And that will come across for the audience, you know, in that example where you're presenting things, it must have been flipping dull for everyone sitting there watching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I think you fixate on the end result. And so you lose sight of those like incremental yeah. steps, all of those gains, all that progress that Stephen Bartlett talks about in his quote at the start. Yeah. You lose sight of those because you're just fixated on that end goal, that end result. And actually, that's where the perfectionism really kind of can stifle you. Yeah. Rather than thinking, do you know what? This is just work in progress. I'm work in progress. Or this piece of work is work in progress. Or this website is work in progress. It's like, no, this has to be like perfect. And that's the end result that you're focusing on there by doing that. Yeah. But it's a hole that we all pretty much fall into. I have like, I think, you know, Lisa's just spoken about her experiences that it is very, very common, but I think it's about having that awareness of yourself and then thinking about, okay, what do I then kind of do to manage this in a more healthy way? So what are your um, suggestions for some of our CBBs, aka our corporate bullshit bashers, to help them manage their perfectionism so it doesn't get in the way? I mean, look, I am a work in progress in this space as well, and I don't get this right all the time. But I think what I try my best to do is I... I like this notion, as I said earlier, of this imperfect action. So I do think taking action of any kind is progress. And I think it is enabling you to move forwards and to learn as you go. And I think if you hold that in your mind, it's it's trying to look at it in terms of like, I suppose, what is good enough for you to feel comfortable to get going? I think that's probably the question I would probably pose. It's like, what is good enough? It doesn't have to be perfect. It, like, it's, Embrace this notion of you're learning as you go and that's okay. And learns come from your successes and the things that don't go wrong. They come from both places. So I think like, what is, what is good enough for you to get going is one of the biggest things. And I do think recognizing that there are learns to be had, really, really helpful, critical ones, from getting things wrong and or even like do you know what not even things being wrong even things just being okay like it doesn't have to be bang on but like things just being okay 
is good enough. And you learn from that as well. Like you can reflect afterwards and go, what would I do differently to make it even better next time? Yeah. And I do love the word even better because it acknowledges that what you did in the first place was good. Yeah. But it's just how could it be even better than that? So they're probably my, my key things. My I love that idea of the pursuit of good enough, mm. like first off, rather than being asking yourself, like, what would make this perfect? Flipping that and being like, what would make this good enough? Like, yeah. like even better to your yeah, point. Yeah. Um, Because I think that's what we do with this podcast. Like, for those of you who aren't aware, like Susie and I do loosely script this. I'm sure some of you might be aware. (laughs) But, you know, I hope hope it doesn't come across too much. But that's the intention. Like, we, I, when I put together the scripts for the episodes that I take responsibility for, I create a loose script that I think is good enough, that I'm comfortable with, that I feel kind of allows you and I to get cracking. That I think, do you know what? that is a good enough prompt for us to put this together and I'm comfortable enough that we will just see how it goes on the day and actually that is when the beautiful stuff comes out like the funniest things that happen in this podcast are because well the things I think are funny are because you and I go with it we just see what happens now I can't script that that's the point do you know what I mean? Like if we tried to script yeah. it, it would not be funny and it would not be natural. And like, I suppose that's like the lesson for me in now everything I do, which is actually have a rough idea, a good plan, a plan that I feel comfortable with that gives me the confidence to get going. And then I'm just going to see how it goes. And I do approach like all client conversations like that, all potential business prospects like that. You know, yes, I do my research in the background, but also I know that I don't want to suffocate it because I want the true sense of me to come across. And I suppose I suppose that's my thoughts in respect of this is like have a rough idea uh, because a rough idea is good enough and then just go with it and see what happens because you can always change it afterwards. You can change it during like yeah. trusting yourself that you can tweak as you go. And also it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you can't then to your point, like go with it. So what I mean by that is so during this season, I can't remember what episode it was. I think it was like episode four or five. I was in charge of the tech. So I was in charge of recording the episode because Lisa was, <laughs> were you in Kent? Yeah, I was in Kent and my dad's in yeah. tech quality oh, yeah. is rubbish. That was it. Well, I absolutely ballsed it up because I was not perfect in my tech um, adaption, like utilization. That's for what, sure. What do we call you, or you call yourself? You call yourself a tech nana, which I would love because I've never heard that until you say it. you are a yeah. tech nana. Yeah. So I somehow managed in this recording to only record Lisa's face, and we talked about it on the episode after. So that meant we had no clip it. For the episode so normally when we do an podcast episode you might see on our instagram or our linkedin we have a video clip which like teases the episode that's that's coming well we couldn't have one of them because it was just purely lisa's face and it was a really entire... close up as well it was unpleasant <laughs> so we were like well what do we do here do we kind of like scrap the episode what do we do because Basically, also, if you're watching it on YouTube, it's just Lisa. I'm not on the entire episode in terms of like visually. But we thought, no, no, it's good enough. So we're going to go with it. OK. And if you want to listen back to it, I think it's episode four or five. Um, but it was good enough. And we went with it. But that's an example of where it wasn't perfect. By any stretch. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination in a number of ways. 
but I definitely learned from it. <laughs> oh, and I've never been allowed to record since, which no. is really good. No. <laughs> no, that's not fair. That's because like, otherwise it doesn't mean we've given you the opportunity to try again. There will be opportunities, I'm sure, in season six. Yeah, so when worry. Judas strikes again. When there Judas will strikes be... again. Yeah, because yeah. I have got a couple of trips planned, which always seem to conveniently fall within our season. So, yeah, it's bloody annoying. I don't time that right. So, yeah, so you might have to film some of them. Anyway, what are your thoughts? Also, not thoughts, sorry. What are your suggestions in respect to this? Because I obviously you you have a close connection to this notion of perfectionism and striving for it and and knowing what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. So one of the things that um someone told me actually a couple of years ago when we were talking about perfectionism randomly, and it's a top tip that has always really stuck with me. So they used it in the context of buying a house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you buy a house, you have the features which are your absolute must-have features. And they're the things that you won't compromise on. They're either really important, whether that's, I don't know, a driveway, whether that's a certain number of bedrooms, a big kitchen, whatever it is. Like, everybody has those must-have features within the, the house. But then we have our nice-to-have features, don't we? So that might be, again, different for everybody, that might be, a garden of certain size or I don't know like um a fireplace who knows the options are endless mm. but the same can be applied when we're thinking about situations where our perfectionism can hold us back so going into things and I've certainly become better at doing this as I've been uh, designing creating more training which is what are my must-have features for this training and what are my nice-to-have features for this training and doing that up front. So similar process that you would do with you're buying a house or a property mm-hmm. because then that anchors me going yeah. when I'm in it and I start getting in that endless cycle of tweaking. I've got that there to be like, this is not on my must-have feature list. This is in my nice-to-haves. So stop spending a ridiculous amount of time formatting this visual it's not it's not going to add to this training hopefully like you know so don't worry about it (laughs) so that would be my top tip is thinking about when you're going into something which you think okay my perfectionism could really kick in here thinking up front okay what are my must-have features and actually what are my nice to have features and then using that as a bit of your checklist is your I I think that's really helpful and I actually really like what you said then which was in relation to that you know tweaking this image which was is this going to add any value? And I think that's another great thing to think about is by doing this, what am I actually adding? Mm. Is it adding anything? Because if it isn't, I just need to stop right now. That's what Lisa, who was, you know, when she was 14, 15, should have been saying to herself before she tore up her pastel portrait, whatever it was I was doing at the time, which is by doing this stroke, pen mark, whatever am I actually going to add anything to it the answer was no and I destroyed things so I think that's a really good sense check as well is the action I'm taking here adding anything because if it isn't stop doing it yeah absolutely and I'd say off that as well like thinking about the effort that you make we're not saying you shouldn't make effort and you know produce subpar work or no not so par conversations that's not what we're saying here it's just about making those standards more realistic for yourself so that you can manage your well-being and your time better um so thinking actually okay I'm gonna do 90% effort in in this and I'm gonna see how that goes and actually if there's no impact or consequence to that that's okay and that that works that's okay and actually next time I might move that to 80% 
And if that's okay, and there's no major consequence or impact to that, then I know that now. And I might move that to 65% or whatever, you know, scale you want to use it. But it's about, as I mentioned, it's not about creating substandard work or having substandard conversations. It's actually about just making your standards more realistic so that you're not putting excessive pressure on yourself to make um, everything perfect that you are spending time on. It's now time for our final bullshit bingo of season five. So as a reminder, this is the part of our program where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which make both of us cringe. So this bullshit bingo uh, is another that came from one of our followers on LinkedIn. And it is, let's park this for now. So Suze, what do you think of this one? Classic. It's absolutely classic. Let's park this for now. I've used it. I think I've used it. Probably a hundred of times. Let's park this one for now. Yeah. I think it's normally for me in the context of no, is essentially what it means. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like a soft way of saying no. Stop. Yeah. Which I'm sure anyone who's ever received this 100% 100% knows that that's what that means but it's like the really like passive aggressive it's really passive aggressive yeah let's part this for now as in shut up the meeting should have finished half an hour ago and you jobs worth have kept it going let's all go because <laughs> we've already eaten into our lunch hour or coffee break that's definitely when I've used it I've been like I need a piss it's that sort of thing isn't it you need a bio break yeah a bio break that's it I need a bio break yeah um yeah it's just there's something so condescending about it isn't there let's part this for now yeah shut up shut up absolutely classic pipe down brenda that's what it is (laughs) love it so it's a good one to finish it is a good one we're not going to finish there though what's your what's been your favorite bullshit bingo season five season so I have to say when I was thinking about this I feel like this season's bullshit bingos have actually been the best like out of all the seasons so far there's been some brilliant ones I actually found it really difficult to choose what my favorite one was oh god Uh, I just mentioned one up there so this is not the one I've chosen but bio break I'm sorry but that had me cracking up from the moment that it came in and I read it I was like that is brilliant um so that was a, a top contender but it's not my number one my number one favorite bullshit bingo from this season is Let's run it up the flagpole and see who salutes it. <laughs> I've forgotten about that one. It is so good. I wish I'd heard it in context, though, because I'd love to hear someone actually use that. Let's run it up the so flagpole good. and see who salutes it. It's so good. It's, so good. That is from the David Brent of work. That is, yeah. Without a doubt. I think my favourite has got to be when we had our, our three CBBs join us for the 50th episode celebration and the three of them all brought brilliant bullshit bingos and we amalgamated it. We that did. was the best one. Into the ultimate bullshit bingo. Like paragraph, like sentence. That was so funny. So drive the needle over the line and we'll touch base in a week. That was funny. It was really good. So, yeah, some brilliant bullshit bingos. And we want more for season yeah, six. Yeah, keep them coming, so, CBBs. Yeah, absolutely. So season six, we will start recording season six and we'll start sharing the episodes in September. So you've got plenty of time over this summer holiday period to be sitting there 
capturing some new bullshit bingos for us and sending them through. So if you have any fantastic bullshit bingos that you have heard recently or that you know of, that you know we haven't featured yet in the coaching cast, please send them through to us. You can email them to hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. We are coming to the end of today's episode where we have discussed managing perfectionism. Our top tips and recommendations from today's episode on the whiteboard are number one, what is good enough to get started? So ask yourself that and take action. Number two, what are the must-haves and the nice-to-haves? Before you approach anything, think about what are your must-haves and your nice-to-haves to anchor you back when you're uh, mid-flow. Number three, ask yourself, is this adding value? If not, stop it. So I am an endless tweaker. I get in that cycle. I need to be asking myself, is this really adding value? And if not, I need to stop that endless cycle of tweaking. And top tip number four, allocate some specific time to all your tasks. So they are relative to the size or importance of them okay and that will help you with catching yourself in that endless cycle of perfectionism we also have some self-coaching questions where you what you can ask yourself as well number one where would you score yourself on the perfectionism scale one i never aim for perfectionism or five when i'm working on something i can't relax until it's perfect number two how does perfectionism manifest for you And number three, what is the one thing you could do to get started? Don't worry if you can't remember all of these top tips or self-coaching questions. They will be on our Instagram page this week at The Coaching Cast following the release of the podcast episode. We really hope you've enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we would love to hear from you, whether that's about this finale episode or the whole of this fifth season. You can contact us in three ways. On email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk, on Instagram at thecoachingcast. And finally, you can contact us through our website, which is thecoachingcast.co.uk. We would love to hear from you over our summer break. So please, please do get in touch. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and this season and would like us to grow this podcast so we can carry on giving you episodes of The Coaching Cast, please do us a favour, leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You have no idea how important these are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Also, do not forget, you can watch each episode on our YouTube channel by searching The Coaching Cast, where you can see Lisa's face throughout the whole episode number four of this season. <laughs> Brilliant. Please don't go and watch that because I, yeah. I was not having a good face day, so no one wants to see that. Um, so as I said, we are taking a summer break and we'll be back in September with more topical work chat bullshit bingo banter and top tips so that will be for season six of the coaching cast however we will still be active on our instagram page over the summer so we aren't disappearing completely so please come and follow us there to stay in touch 
We both love music and use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting. As it's the season finale, we have both chosen a track this week. I have chosen Blue Hours by Bear's Den. Oh, can't wait to listen to this. It's their new album, isn't it? Um, And I've chosen Got Till It's Gone by Janet Jackson featuring Q-Tip. So a bit of an old classic there from the 90s. Thank you so much for listening, not only to this episode, but also hopefully you've also been listening to the entire season as well. Have a great summer. And remember, you've you've got got this CBB. <laughs> One of these seasons we'll be able to do that relaxed and natural together and won't sound like some sort of like deformed digital robots. Now that was not perfectionism. No, but we're comfortable with it. It's good enough, people. And it's still progress from the last four seasons. We're getting better every season, Suze. So-